Savior and say Thy strength indeed is small Child of weakness watch and pray Find in me thine all and all Jesus paid it all All to him I Sin had left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow Lord, now indeed I find Thy power and Thine alone can change the leper spots and melt the heart of stone. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. died my soul to save my lips shall still repeat Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow And oh, praise the one who paid my debt And raised this life up from the dead Oh, praise the one who paid my debt And raised this life up from the dead life up from the dead. So praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Sin 
had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Father God, we come before you as people who are bankrupt, who have no righteousness of our own, as we just sang, who are dead, but you have raised us to life in Christ. And Father, because of that, we praise your name. We praise the name of Jesus. This morning as we sing, we praise the name of Jesus as we go scattered throughout our week, Lord. Let that not just be something we say on Sunday mornings, but something that we carry with us into our families, into our places of work, Lord, into our friends, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're going to now transition to our time of, offer, time of worship and offering and giving. And uh, this week, I have personally just really been challenged by my level of distraction in the world, for good reason, right? Uh, between a pandemic, I think I've been hearing for the last 18 months that the economy is going to crash, um, and you name it. There's a million different things you could look at that would just absolutely stress you out, make you anxious, and it is so easy for us, myself, speaking to myself here, to become fixated on what this world has to offer. And I think more this year than ever before, I have been constantly reminded that this world is not our home. And it's not, never going to be. We will never be satisfied with this world if our hope is in Jesus Christ. Before I get too long-winded, I want to read to you from Philippians 3, 7, on down to 10. But whatever gain I had, I counted a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the, the, the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So this morning as we give, and I pray over our offering, whether you give online or you can go to the back and give a, one of these boxes, the black boxes on the wall, we say often let's not give out of obligation, but let's give sacrificially in a way that shows that we are dying to ourselves that we are reminding ourselves when we give that this is not our home, but that we live for another kingdom. Let's pray with me. Heavenly Father God, thank you for giving us resources to steward. And God, by your grace, I ask that we would steward those well individually. I pray that Trinity would steward those well, that we would seek to advance your kingdom with the resources that you give us. In Jesus' name. Amen. We have several announcements this morning. And first and foremost, tomorrow evening at 
7:30. We are going to be as a church at Pizza At. Um, they have over there at Titus Landing, nice little lawn area. Um, we are going to grab some pizza um, individually, and it's like a little, essentially subway for pizza. Throw on what you want, and then um, we're going to hang out outside. I want to encourage you to bring a lawn, lawn chair, some lawn games. We can social distance as needed and be outside so it's a lot safer. Um, but we want to invite you. We're going to be doing that on Mondays at 6.30. Next, we have two equipped classes this fall. Uh, we have our journey together, which is an opportunity for people who are checking out Trinity to learn more about uh, what we believe here at Trinity. And then secondly, we have uh, parenting. It's not what you think it is by Mr. Paul David Tripp. Those are both um, going to be excellent opportunities to, one, to learn more about Trinity, and secondly, if you're a parent or wanting to become a parent, an opportunity to learn what it's not what we actually think it is. Um, I want to invite you, you can sign up in the back over there at the welcome desk or uh, sign up online. Next, this afternoon at my house, the Durham's, we're inviting Resolved which is our youth and high school ministry, as well as our college and career ministry, to come over to watch the first part of a movie called The American Gospel. It's a documentary about what the, if I may say, how the gospel has been absorbed by the American dream. The, uh, the, uh, yes, the American dream of achieving all you can in this life. Um, and how that really clashes with the true biblical sense of the gospel. So I want to invite you 3.30 at the Durham's. If you have any questions, I believe you can find it online. I believe my number's on the Resolve information if you want to check it out there. Second to last, college and career, August 14th, Friday. Friday, August 14th at Tanner and Anna Basosa's. Um, you can find more information about that online. They want to encourage you to bring a lawn chair. And last and certainly not least, there's a new women's Bible study coming this uh, August 29th. It's going to be Saturdays at 9 a.m. They're going to be going through Jen Wilkins' book, Women of the Word. All details are on the webpage, but if you sign up today, there are eight new books available for $5 each at the information desk. This study will be taught by Karen Riando, and it will answer many questions. Why do we study the Bible? How have we been misled about reading the Bible? How do we study the Bible? What are practical tips for studying God's Word, learning that our Bible study is about God and not about ourselves? I want to encourage you to register online today. Now, if we would stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to be in Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 13. Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 15. 13, excuse me. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, 
so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall be make and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is the word of the Lord. Hmm. You may be seated, and that microphone's really hot. <laughs> Good morning. We ready? Let's do this. Want to um, before we dive in? Want to pray for Alex this morning? He is preaching at New Covenant um, Community Church here in Titusville for Sandy Robertson. He's preaching for him. Sandy Robertson is preaching at our sister church up in Minnesota for Tom Nomland. And so, yeah, the shuffle is going on. So let's pray for both those guys and for our preaching this morning as well. Father God, we lift up Alex to you. We lift up Sandy to you. And Father, we pray for Trinity as well, these three churches. Father, we ask for your grace to preach your word, Lord. I pray that you would give me grace to speak truth. Pray that you would give grace for the listener to hear truth. Lord God, we need you. In Jesus' name. Amen. This is real scratchy. Anything I need to do up here? Pull it away. Does that help? Helps me. That was pretty <laughs> that's pretty scruffy. All right. Well, let's dive in to our text this morning. It was uh it was more than an offer for a cold drink. I was a sophomore in high school wanting to fit in. I was playing for the junior varsity soccer team. And at the end of the season, uh, myself and one other guy on the JV team got bumped up to the varsity team. It was a privilege to get bumped up to be that, that guy, that sub player that you maybe got to play if the game was meaningless. That was me and my friend. And, uh, but it was a privilege, privilege to finish out the season as the varsity team went um, to fight for regionals and state. Uh, I was the young guy. Then, the JV guy on the varsity team, and I wanted to fit in. That was when the team stopped after a game at Pizza Hut, grabbed some food. The bus stopped, and a couple of the guys jumped off the bus, ran across the street to the gas station, managed to purchase some beer. I was sitting on the curb outside of Pizza Hut when my friend Scott sat down next to me and offered me a bottle of beer. But here's the thing. It was more than an offer to drink a cold beer. It was an opportunity. It was an invitation. Not exaggerating. It was an invitation for a lifestyle. A certain lifestyle was being offered to me, not just a beer. Parties with the popular people was being offered to me at that moment. It was an invitation to be liked. Scott hung with the cool crowd. He, he was 
um, in circles that everybody wanted to, to be in. It was an invitation, I'm not exaggerating, to a lifestyle of promiscuity. And fear of man raged in my heart in that moment. I'm not saying that an offer to drink a beer is always all that. It certainly isn't always all that. But for me, at that point in my life, uh, it was all that. The stakes were high. No exaggeration, I believe it was life or death. One of my friends would go on High school friends would go on to commit suicide. Another, uh, one of my closest friends, ended up on the TV show America's Most Wanted. He was arrested for his crimes, having fled to Brazil. Back to Scott and the offer for a simple beer. For reasons I don't understand, I said, no thanks. Scott's head tilted, his eyebrows raised as he looked over at me, and I knew at that moment I would never be cool in the view of most of my high school. Weird how important that seemed at that moment, thinking back now. I thought about that scene this week. I can still see the curb that we sat on. He sat to my left. It was just off of I-4 and 434 in Longwood, Altamont Springs area. And as I thought about that scene this week while preparing this sermon, I realized Isaiah 55 was taking place. I didn't know it at the time. I wouldn't have been aware of what Isaiah 55, the content of that was. But, but as a teenager in high school, I was seeking to, as best as I knew how, be in God's word, to memorize God's word, to read God's word. And the word was doing what the word does at that moment. By God's grace, by God's grace. Not, this is not in any sort of way me trying to say to you, by Tim's strength, by Tim's boldness, by Tim's fear of God. No, none of that would have been true. But by God's grace, he preserved me that day. Because I believe the word that had been tucked in, tucked away in my heart. Think about the past, well, five weeks now, what we've been preaching in Isaiah. Quick review. Chapter 53, right? We spent two weeks in chapter 53. That Christ's substitutionary atonement, what he accomplished for us on the cross, that he bore our sorrows. He carried our griefs to the cross. Praise be to God. Then we move to chapter 54, and where does it begin? Sing, O barren one, sing. And then we move into chapter 55. That was um, Alex covered the first half last week, and it's this, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, right? And he who has no money, come and buy and eat. And it's just like chapter 54, Sing, O barren one, right? Those of us who cannot produce a spiritual life, you've been given life in Christ Jesus because of chapter 53. So sing and come and drink and buy food 
You who are broke and weak, what we sang about this morning, you who are, who are empty and you have nothing to purchase salvation, come and buy. Why? Because Christ has purchased your salvation for you. It's all in the context of what we've been preaching that we now come to the latter half of chapter 55. Alex preached verse 6 last week, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. And he was explaining last week that it's not as if the Lord is lost. It's not seek the Lord because we need to find him. He's, he's lost somewhere out there. No, it's this idea of pursue him, seek after the Lord, pursue him, arrange your life around the Lord. Stop with this, Jesus is a nice little additional extra to the Christian life. Stop with this idea that he's just a little garnish to add to our lives. Stop with that, that whole thinking that, that I need Jesus to just help me cross the finish line, to, to just, be, I need that little extra push to get me there. No, that Jesus is our everything. That's what six, verse six is after, seek the Lord while he may be found. God is calling us to a complete and radical overhaul, not minor adjustments, not minor tweaking here and here, here and there. It is his death on the cross calls us to a new life in him through and through. And so what Isaiah is doing here in the latter half of chapter 55 is in light of all these things that preceded it, Isaiah is showing us that the gap is wide between us and him. That nevertheless, by his power, his purposes will succeed and God will be glorified. All right, those are our three points this morning. Let's pick those apart. We begin there in verse eight, where the gap is wide. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. That, that's the context, right? He's not, he's not, that's just not dropping out of the sky for my thoughts. are No, in light of all the things that we just said, 53, 54, 55, now for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Or we could just say it like this, the gap is wide between us and God. It's a wide gap. It's not a narrow gap. It's not a small gap like, like people think, like we might think. It's not a small gap. Or worse than that, it's not, it's not reversed gap, right? It's not that my ways are higher than God's ways. Now, I know mentally we would all go, yeah, of course, that's right. But functionally, physically, day to day, we tend to live as if our ways are higher than his ways. We actually think that our ways are better than his ways. That's because 53 verse 6 told us that all we like sheep have gone astray. And it's easy for us to go amen to that. Like we, we go, yeah, that's, yeah. But then we think, oh, but God's, God's ways are certainly higher than our ways right? If we always lived believing the truth of that verse, that his ways are higher than our ways, then we wouldn't be like sheep and we wouldn't go astray. The reality is every time, I'm not exaggerating, every time I complain, 
that's going on in my heart is my ways are higher than his ways. Every time my day doesn't go like I had planned it to go, and now this something has invaded my day and my plan and has ruined, it's ruining my day or it's ruining my week or it's ruining my life. That is a testimony of my pride that says my ways are higher than God's ways because God just doesn't quite get it, does he? He doesn't quite understand how busy I am. He doesn't understand the things that I need to accomplish today. He doesn't understand. If he had the power to eliminate whatever this is, whatever flat tire moment in, in my life might be going on that day, he, he just didn't have the power or he didn't have the understanding. Because my ways, I've got a better plan, better way, because I'm a better sovereign God. We would never sign up mentally. We know better than that. But functionally, that's what our complaining says. Think about this. Verses 8 and 9, all of humanity throughout all of history disagrees. Radically disagrees. His ways cannot be higher than our ways. It is often a very regularly quoted scripture. Maybe you've quoted it and didn't realize where it takes place. Like it takes place in Isaiah and it takes place in a context. Meaning it's, it's not that it'd be incorrect to just quote this and just, you know, things aren't working out the way that I want them to. Well, his ways are higher than my ways. That, that would be accurate. But specifically to this context, it's saying, look, your salvation like the idea that you would be barren and would, 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 there would be produced in you spiritual life or that you would be thirsty, 55 verse one, and broke, but you were to come and buy. Like chapter 53, the atonement, none of this, none of it would we have thought of. We would not have created any of this. We, we would have no capacity to, in our minds, go, all right, this is how humanity will be offered salvation. God's own son will be sent and he'll take on human flesh and he'll live a perfect life and he will go to the cross and he will die in his perfect uh, um, life. He will die and he will bear our sins and he will give us his righteousness. Like who of us would have come up with that plan? Praise be to God, our salvation is not up to us to figure out. My rock fell. I'll get to the rock in a little bit. I was like, what was that? Ease up on the podium, Tim. Christ will bear your burdens of sin. He will pay the price for sin. And what Isaiah is saying here, you and I would have never come up with that plan that plan of salvation where God himself would come and die and the innocent would die for the sins of the guilty. For his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. But here's the thing. 
We need his thoughts. We need more of his thoughts and less of our thoughts. We need more of his ways and less of our ways. But the problem is, is that the sin that continues in our heart that rages is, is my sinful flesh wants to continue to say, no, I want my ways and I want my thoughts. We need to spend time getting to know the thoughts and the ways of the Lord. That's why in verse six, it does say, seek the Lord while he may be found. If verses eight and nine, my thoughts are not your thoughts, his ways, not your ways. If that's true, then we need to be asking the question, where do we go to get the thoughts of the Lord? The answer is we go here. This is where we find the ways and the thoughts of God. This is, this is why we regularly say here, we come to this book, it is our authority, and we put ourselves under it. It's because of verses like this. It's because, because of verses like this that we say, we submit to God's word. God's word does not submit to us. Why? Because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We need more of God's thoughts and less of Tim's thoughts, less of your thoughts in each of our lives. So how do we, how do we go about that? Well, here, here's what you need to know. One time a week to hear the preaching of God's word preach, grateful for it, glad you're here, glad you're watching on the live stream, super excited about that. Thank you for coming. Please keep coming, but also know this. 35 minutes a week in the word, it's not going to get it done. That's not going to get it done. One time a week in light of the bombardment of all the thoughts, uh, forget your own thoughts, just the, the thoughts of this world, worldliness being, being brought to us. Ah, oh, yeah, 35 minutes is not going to undo the entire week of information, of thoughts. So what do you do? What can you do? Get into his word. Get into his word solo, by yourself, get into his word. Be a man, a woman, be a teenager of the word. But get into his word community. Get into his word with a community group where you would gather together on a Wednesday night and discuss his word. Get into his word in a study group. Get into his word. It was announced just a little bit ago for all the ladies. Here's a great opportunity for you. This is going to be an amazing study on growing in God's word, hearing, uh, understanding, digging into God's word with other ladies. I was, I was in a coffee shop in Titusville a little over a week ago, and some of our guys and some guys from around the community, they were gathered together in the corner of the coffee shop, and they were studying Romans. Get into a group like that. So I don't know where to find a group like that. Ask your community group leader. Ask one of the elders. Ask a godly friend. Get into the word solo. Get into the word in community. Let me ask you this, Trinity. What kind of church are we wanting to build here? What kind of church are we wanting to be? We are wanting to be a group of people who say, let's seek the Lord in his word because we need, we are needy people and we need his thoughts because our thoughts are not his thoughts and our ways are not his ways because the gap is wide. We need more time, not less in this book. Number two, for God's power and purpose. It's verses 10 and 11. 
Let's read them again. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. That's really the verses that I was thinking about this week when I was thinking about that, that episode back there in high school. Not knowing the content of Isaiah 55, but a lot of years later, thinking back to it and realizing, oh, that's what was happening in that moment. It was not the strength of Tim. It was the God's word will be successful. Now think about the setting at the time of Isaiah. Egypt has the Nile River as its water source. The Mesopotamia has the Tigris and the Euphrates as its water source. But God's people, the history of God's people, obviously they were aware of that 40 years where they drifted in the desert without a water source. It's what got Moses in trouble. Striking the rock twice. They were dependent people on God to supply for them what they must have, water. No water is to die in the desert. Now think about this. God put them in a place where they had to be completely dependent on God for them to remain alive. They didn't need rain. They needed the God of the rain. And God's word is like that for the Christian. God's word is like that rain for the believer it is life and death. But it's beyond you, church, because his ways are not our ways, which means we are a dependent people. No rain, no word is to dry up and die. But God's word will succeed. Verse 11, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. You see, we don't bring the rain. You and me don't bring the rain. We don't bring the life. The life comes to us and it comes with a purpose. And verse 11 is telling us that the purpose of God, it will produce that which God has made for it to produce. And that's why we go back to chapter 51 and O barren one, sing, because it will produce. Are you saved? If yes, it's because of verse 11. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth and it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I send it. Are you saved? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? It's because of verse 11. Because God's word will do what it's purposed to do. And you're a living testimony of the truth of verse number 11. The waters came. The rain came to your dried up soul. You couldn't produce that rain. 
dry and empty, barren, all the metaphors of these chapters. Come, you thirsty, drink at the waters. You couldn't produce those waters. But God, through his word, produced in you something you could not produce on your own. Think about the power of God's word in your life right now. You were dry and barren. Why are you here? Why do you care? Why are you even interested? I'll go back to those earlier thoughts. Thank God for your 35 minutes that you're willing to give 35. I'll take your 35 minutes and I'll be praying for you along the way that God would increase that desire in your heart for more intake. But, but just, just the 35 minutes, I don't want to sell short. That's the grace of God. Why do you care to hear a sermon on a weekly basis? Why do you want to give 35 minutes? It's not because of you. It's not because in your dry, parched soul, that you produce rain knows because the word of God got a hold of your heart and it produced what it intended to produce. It shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Praise be to God. That's the power of God's word. It has radically transformed you. Think about the radical transformation that's been taking place in your life. You are not who you once were. The power is not in your ability or your strength or your grasp. It's because the Spirit of God has made you alive to this book. We were all once dull to it. So since our thoughts are not His, we need His thoughts and not ours. And since it's life-giving rain to us, let me ask you, what is your specific strategy to spend more time in this book? Or if I could even say, to spend every day in this book. Every day in this book. Now I know things are gonna come up, right? If you're a mother, you've got children, small children at home, wow, Things wake up and they wake up early, right? Things happen. I, and you, if you're a guy, you got called into work early, like things come up. I'm not, I'm not saying this legalistically. I'm saying this, that your heart is, I want to create a strategy of whatever sort that I'm going to be in this book every day. And when those things come up, they come up. But tomorrow I'll be back in this book again because I need his thoughts and I need more of his ways and I need Tim's ways to die. And his thoughts to die. Number three, for God will be glorified. Look at verse 12 and 13. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. What a great picture. This is a great picture of worship. Just the glory of God. The mountains and the hills before you. The mountains and hills before you shall break forth into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorns shall come up the cypress instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle and it shall make a name for the Lord an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off and so here is a picture of the gospel's expansive glory expansive power that's what's on display here it, it, what Isaiah is helping us to see is Christ's sacrifice will not simply have an effect on you and me or other believers throughout history 
Christ's sacrifice will literally transform all of creation. Say, what? Am I making this stuff up? No, I'm just preaching verses 12 and 13. That Christ's atonement on the cross didn't just reverse sinful man. It reversed all of creation, every bit of it. That's why we could jump to Revelation. It's going to talk about a new heaven and a new earth because Christ's atonement is that effective. That literally all of creation is affected by his life, death, and resurrection so that all of creation, this is what Isaiah is showing us here, picture of the mountains and the hills that are, that are breaking forth into singing. Why are they singing? It's because of Christ's redemption. We've said this before. We said this last year as we were preaching through one of the Psalms, but creation gets it. Like it's, it's humanity that, that brushes up against this and goes, oh, no, I'm not lifting my voice to, the, to God. I won't submit. I won't bow my knee to God. Creation does. Inanimate objects do. The oceans right now, the hills, the mountains, they're singing and clapping for joy. They get it. And so this is why my rock fell, pounding this pulpit. This is my pet rock. This is the only rock I care about. It's the only rock that sits in my office. Last year in preaching this sermon about the rocks, um, we'll cry out. And we're just making that point that, that we're making this morning. Rocks, inanimate objects, get it. This, this right here is the glory of God. This rock cries out glory. So it sits on my desk. But the cool thing is, is, um, Claire Ornzak, she, after that sermon, she came to me the next Sunday and she said, oh, I love that sermon. And I painted you this rock and it just says rocks get it. And I love that. And so it sits on my desk and I grabbed it and said, I need to bring that with me this morning. That's what's going on here. So I'm talking about the rocks, of course, the mountains and the hills, they break forth into singing. Why? Because the mountains and the hills, they get it. Because the power of the gospel, the glory of the gospel, the vastness of the gospel is that glorious, that grand, that splendorous before us. God not only saves humanity, he not only transforms us through his word, he not only reverses the curse in us, in humanity, those who repent and trust in him, he reverses the curse in us more than that. He reverses the curse in all of creation. The entire creation order is being saved. Now, it's the already and not yet. So he is, he is restoring creation as we speak, and there will be a day of its completion. How big is your gospel? How big is the Savior's sacrifice? All of creation will do what it was created to do, every bit of it. What was creation created to do? It was created to worship. It was created, every bit of it. This is glory to God. He made this. It shall make a name for the Lord. That's in the middle there, verse 13. And it shall make a name for the Lord. That's what this is doing. 
my God, he creates the smallest to the largest. That's the point of Jesus, his death, his resurrection. He reversed the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. All of humanity, all of creation is groaning under the weight of sin. But he is saving, he is redeeming, and he is reversing. Christ came, and his salvation is already, and it is not yet. And that saving power is on display right next to you this morning. And that saving power will be on display to you throughout all of eternity. All of eternity. That's why John 1 can tell us about Jesus by saying, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus came to water, to rain on our thirsty souls. And you responded because the word, it shall accomplish that which he purposes. That's what the word does. God be glorified. Chapter 53, atonement, 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 over and over again. Chapter 54, sing 